Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, we're so good to go. All right, we are back here live at the Minnesota State Fair. Abbreviated uh, sports huddle this morning with a Twins game uh, in Detroit at 12:10. We're done at, uh, at 11 o'clock today. We have a special guest to start things off. How about a big hand for the governor of the state of Minnesota, Tim Walls. Thank you. And the man who runs the state, Sid Hartman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start things off. The governor, actually, we don't have any prizes. This would have been a great trivia question, but he said he was relatively happy with one of the Vikings' decisions yesterday, somebody they kept on their roster, and the reason for that would be? Here's your obscure trivia of the week. Uh, Chad Beebe, who I'm excited made the roster, the 53-man roster, Chad's dad, Don Beebe, and I played on the same championship intramural basketball team when we were in college. We, were, uh, we graduated together, and then his uncle, Dan Beebe, and I coached basketball teams, all-star teams that played in China in the uh, 80s and 90s. So good to see the Beebe's here. Sid, your question. How about the gambling bill? you think Minnesota is going to adopt the gambling, 12 states have adopted the, that gambling bill, and I don't know, maybe they would earn a lot of income for the state. Yeah, the sports gambling piece of this with Iowa going on board, it, it didn't get brought up last year. Uh, on so many of these things, I certainly think uh, my philosophy is that I trust adults. I think you uh, make the decision, you put these in place. Uh, folks who can do it and do it responsibly should, and then the state has the opportunity for revenue. I certainly think it's something Minnesota will look at. We've got a uh, strong, I, I would say, safeguards in place for gambling, both casino gambling and charitable gambling. And I would expect that this session, since it's not a budget year, that there would be discussion around uh, sports betting. What would the discussion be like? I mean, when you when you throw it out, what have you learned about a discussion like that? Is it going to get traded out? Is that an easy one because it's an easy revenue mechanism? What happens? Well, the issue is is that I think in the fairness piece of this, that Minnesota, and this is philosophically, I agree with this, that the gambling uh, that is on reservation or or indigenous gambling has a say in that i think our 11 tribes are going to have to have a say in this on, on where we're going to do this and how it's done um there's going to be folks that think we should do it the same way we do it in the gas stations or the or the uh the way we do the lottery or the scratch-offs uh, i think there's a little more to it than that uh states that have done this there is not a lot as much as you would think there's not as much revenue in sports betting as other types um, but i certainly go back to this again if adults want to make that decision and we can do it responsibly, we should. But I think it comes down to this uh, 
the authority of where it's done and, and the tribal entities, and, and they have exclusive nature of this, and that is a, a trade-off for the land is what it amounted to. That's the uh, voice of Minnesota Governor Tim Walz. It's uh, unusual for him to be next door to the Republican booth here, but no. uh, we're going to try to make him <laughs> as, com- as, as comfortable. And I'm sure they're waiting in ambush. All right, changing the topic a little bit, we had Lester Bagley out here with us last week, and he, he verified the Vikings have already expressed interest hosting another Super Bowl. There was a lot of positive talk about maybe getting the NFL draft here. Not everybody agrees that these mega events are, are good for a community, a state. What's your feeling on that? I do, and I think there's enough data to show that they do make a difference both economically, but I think there's a psychological impact of it. You saw when we hosted what I think was probably one of the best Final Fours. A lot of work goes into it. There's some inconvenience that goes into it, but these are, are entities that don't take state dollars. We invest. They put money back into the economy, and they put us on the map. And when people leave here, they always say, my goodness, uh, I never knew there were this many things here. I didn't know this would happen. And we're able to do that in a, a cold weather climate. So I personally uh, support these. I think we do it very well. I think it lets us unify uh, around common goal. And if, if the Vikings want to make that pitch, I, I certainly support that. And. Uh, understand some of the concerns, but I certainly think they the, the good outweighs the bad. I think Sid's signaling he's got another question. you got to be happy the way the funding is going on U.S. Beck Stadium be paid off a lot early. All these people complain <laughs> about the, the, the deal. Target Field is way ahead of, of paying. Vikings uh, is way ahead of a pay, even the St. Paul building is way ahead. CHS field. Well, yeah, the question, and this is this is pretty. I understand it's controversial. Public funding for uh, for stadiums. Uh, we do a lot of things where we partner with businesses, whether it's tax increment financing, or the state or the cities are responsible for infrastructure. The uh, the Hennepin County and the folks deciding to invest in this case in U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Sid is right. Uh, the reserves are ahead on that. There are reserves built up in the stadium funds uh, to pay back those bonds uh, potentially at an earlier rate, which, of course, uh, saves interest, saves time over that. And, uh, again, these are decisions communities make and states make. Is it worth investing in these uh, these stadiums? Is it worth investing in the infrastructure to have an effect there at impacting restaurants, impacting shopping, impacting hotels. And at this point in time, uh, the mechanism for doing that was the uh, electronic pull tabs, and they have taken off, and, and they are paying for it at this point. When you, uh, you and I have talked about this before. First of all, your your, your wife is a cousin to Tyrone Wacker, the legend football the legend. coach. Yeah, I was with Tyrone for about an hour and a half around him at Eden Prairie Center a couple weeks ago. And he's, a, for people that don't know, a state championship coach. You're a football coach. And, and you are, I, one thing I've learned about coaches, Dave's father was a coach, my dad was a coach. You never quit being a coach. No, never. How much of that comes into play as a governor? Because football coaches in particular are highly organized, structured, game plan, prepare. How much of that overlaps? A lot, and I think couple in a, uh, a sergeant in the military, too. That is part of my personality. One of the things is, I think, when you get a coach, that this idea of teamwork together, and our folks listening at the booth next door, I don't see Republicans as, as the adversary. And I often talk, when I coached football, I was a defensive coordinator. I fought tooth and nail with the offensive coordinator. This guy wanted to throw the ball the time. I'm like, grind it out. 
win this thing six to nothing and get out of here. And, and, and give me that tight end to play outside linebacker. That's, that, right? was, <laughs> that was it. And, and I would argue, why are we risking this? Only bad things. There's two bad things can happen when you throw the ball and one good thing. So let's grind it out. That was philosophically I differed from him. But our same goal was on the same team to win the game. And, and I think coaching brings that to you. You're right about being organized. You lay out a plan. You assess course of action. People sometimes make it like it's a cliche that this is more difficult than that. So much in life and politics is this. It's about relationships and it's about having clear and common and unified goals. And I don't in any way believe the folks next door want a prosperous Minnesota where people are safe and can live the life that they want to live. We agree on that. We just think it's differently. So just like coaching, I would say this. I don't disagree with the Republicans because they're Republicans. I disagree because they're wrong, but that's a big difference. So, And that's when you debate it back and forth. And there's a common good that comes out of that. And I think coaches, good coaches know that. The ability to be able to take that advice, to be structured, and, and to make that long-range plan. But understand, best laid plans get interfered with. All right, we know how you feel about the people next door. For people not at the fair, that's the Republican booth over there. But let's get a little more. Yeah, it little... wasn't Sweet Martha's. I was no, no, about, who so. could be against Sweet Martha's? <laughs> All right, but let's get serious here. How do you feel about Wisconsin and Iowa? Well, I have to be really judicious on this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a test here. They Watch out, there could be tariffs at stake. Well, no, they. I, I am not opposed to every wall and uh, Wisconsin <laughs> and Iowa. Be just saying. So. All right, I think that's a judicious answer. Sydney, you had a question. Talk about your coaching career. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a football coach, and I uh, coach girls basketball and track. I was at Mankato West. Um, when I got down there and joined that team, we uh, they told me we were struggling a little bit. We were we were 0 and 36. We hadn't won in four years. Uh, three years later, we were state champions, beat Cambridge Asante in a wonderful prep bowl in the in the yeah. Metrodome. And since that time, West has won three more and been runner-up twice. Uh, uh, they did that without me being there, I might note, that most of you who are here uh, after that first one, once you set a culture and kids want to play, it's amazing how that works. That's that's the thing with Tyrone. Culture, man, yep. Culture is everything. I, I have to be careful with Tyrone. I always ask people, you know Tyrone Wacker, and I watch for their response first. So <laughs> we all do. It cost me votes or whatever. But he can coach. He can coach. Uh, he won. Uh, he was at Gaylord, I think. He was at Gaylord, my hometown, won a state yeah. championship, then went in college. Then he, he went to Jackson, and he won, won a, a football and a baseball championship there as a coach. Yeah. But he, he loves it, and uh, he's my coaching wife, 15-year-old baseball in Hutchinson this summer. It's my wife's uh, my wife's uncle. We got married out there on their place at Lake Marion Ballroom yep. and, uh, in Hutch. Lake so, Marion uh, Ballroom. There's yeah. another landmark. We ripped that place up. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> what sports do you follow? Uh, got a night off on TV? You, you a sports fan? You watching sports? Yeah, I'm partial to college football, and I'll watch just about anybody on that. Um, I, I do watch pro football. It, it's exciting. It's who we are. Um, I've become a, a little better at baseball, but I'm it just takes a little more time to watch a baseball game. And this so, year especially. So that's why I follow. But I like a little, I like everything. I uh, I grew up playing sports. I grew up uh, hunting on the farm in a small town. I told people, uh, I graduated with 24 kids, 12 were cousins in my graduating class. And so everybody had to play every sport to make the teams work. Well, uh, we know we got to get you over to a TV uh, interview, but Sid, uh, last question. In the mic, Sid. It's amazing. At one time, this, this city didn't have any facilities. They had the Met Stadium, they had uh, uh, the North Star Building, and now all of a sudden you got as many good indoor facilities as well as outdoor facilities. 
I don't think that a city like Detroit, no, that's right. city like even Chicago, yeah. no, they're going to have any better facility than you had, and they're all being paid for. Yeah, the, the infrastructure on uh, on sports and professional sports and college sports is, is well in Minnesota, and this is always a dilemma. I would end with that: uh, you get what you pay for. Uh, these are discussions that the public should have. I know it is uh, a little controversial, but I think Sid's point on this was is is that there was a belief that the, the procedure was in place to pay for these things. They're ahead of schedule. They're responsible. They seem to be uh, data-wise showing that it's returning uh, returning on our investment, and that's what, the, that's what the taxpayers should expect. All right, he's got another appointment. How about a big hand for the governor of Minnesota, Tim Walls? We're going to take a break here at uh, 1030. We are going to uh, talk to P.J. Fleck. That will be on the phone. And then Derek Falvey of the Twins at 1045. Stick around. we got a light uh, rain falling here at the State Fair, but everybody stuck around nicely, and we hope they'll stay around through the remainder to hear the sports huddle. All right, we are back. Whoa, this is a loud night. We are back live here at the Minnesota State Fair. It rains a little bit harder than uh, was anticipated. So a lot of umbrellas popping up, a lot of ponchos, but our crowd is nice and loyal. Uh, Sid Hartman is out here, and we're going to take this opportunity to talk a little bit among ourselves, and then P.J. Fleck is going to join us in about uh, 10 minutes. Sid, it's uh, it's often said it's tough for a, a Big Ten team like Minnesota to travel through time zones, two time zones, to play in California. That's what's going to happen at Fresno State. Uh, when the Gophers go out there, Fresno State lost to USC yesterday, but the Gophers barely beat Fresno State at a game that you and I saw last year. Fresno State's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they got a good quarterback who rolls out and does a pretty good job. Well, when PGA Fleck goes on, we'll get a scouting report on Fresno State. Yeah. I don't think the Gophers can beat Fresno State. Well, you're not very optimistic. Last year, you didn't think they could beat Fresno State. And last year, they won the game. If you remember, Winfield made that phenomenal interception at the end of last year's game, and the Gophers came from behind to win that one. Well, last year, they beat Fresno State. Yeah, and the Winfield interception in the end zone, right, at the end of the game. What about that? That was the play that decided the game last year, Winfield's interception. But now, you know, Winfield actually, I thought, played fairly well in, in the game Thursday night. Well, let's talk about the Gophers a little bit. Oh, well, that's good. Go. What did you think of the Gophers? I thought I was really disappointed in how they played. I thought they would. They're only a 13-point favorite, but I nobody did anything real good outside the quarterback. Let's say Bateman. Bateman. Yeah, Bateman. Beside those two, if that team don't fumble. They don't win the game. Well, fumble, and they get two touchdowns called back on penalties, and then the foolish interception. There were four huge plays, all of which went against South Dakota State. Gophers weren't certain to have been in any game. Mike, uh, after the end of last year, I think a lot of people, based on what they saw at Wisconsin, that Gopher team that played there, and then although Georgia Tech was not a great bowl team, the Gophers looked so good against them, I think a lot of people were more or less stunned as they sat there watch, watching that uh, yeah. South Dakota State game. Yeah, they thought this was the match. And if you study, I mean, uh, uh, Jerry Kill, Glenn Mason, third year is when they really kind of brought yeah. brought it together. Now, I remember a few years ago, and I think this was the year one of their good years, uh, they went out to UNLV and barely won, and UNLV wasn't any good. That was an overtime. You remember that? Yeah, I was there. Got over about one in the morning yeah. or whatever it was, 
uh, and they came back and had a good year still. So, uh, again, the first game I don't put as much into, and I'm, I'm more impressed with South Dakota State. That, uh, in, in, like I said, I've known their coach for a long time. Solid, solid guy out there. Uh, but that's not an excuse. The Gophers have all the resources. The Gophers have, uh, you know, they, they've got experience. They've got, as you mentioned, the big offensive line. The, the one thing I'll say, and it was interesting listening to Urban Meyer at halftime, and some of the, Urban said, if you got a confident team, you throw blackboards and you crash and you and you get in their face. If you don't, you got to coach them up. Uh, but but the, the the one thing that I thought that they did, which I thought was good, was they kept running the football and they didn't, you know. The, you, there can be a tendency sometimes to go, well, let's put a gadget play. Let's, they want to be a Big Ten team. you got to keep running the football, and they stay committed to it. So what did you think of Morgan at quarterback? A lot of people wondering with Annex that out. I thought Morgan was probably one of the Morgan at quarterback for the Gophers. I thought he did pretty good. I thought he threw the ball well. How about Johnson did nothing? Well, he dropped a couple of passes like he did early last year. I thought he'd gotten over that by the end uh. of the year. Well, we'll find out a lot about him this week against Fresno State. It's a 9:30 game. And I'll say one more thing, though. I'll say Fresno State. I don't think is going to have as good of offensive and defensive line as South Dakota State did. I know that might sound like reach, but generally speaking, the teams from that conference, they're skill position type teams, but you usually can run the football on them. Mike, uh, this came up a little bit in the previous hour, but if you watch prep sports and you watch the prep bowl, you, you hear these names and then the names kind of go away. I thought it was refreshing in the South Dakota State game, going over the roster, go, oh, that's what happened to, yep. to that guy. There's a lot and, of guys like that. And, yep. then, and then the game uh, yesterday, the North Dakota uh, State. State game uh, at Target Field, it was just peppered with uh, guys that we well, got to know from Minnesota high school football. That Marshall had a great era. They always have good athletics there, but they had two kids go to Minnesota, Big Lyman and Chemileski, and, the, and then the other kid went to North Dakota State, Lance, and, and, and you kind of, I didn't know I knew he was going to compete for a job. I didn't know how that played out. This kid from Providence Academy, quarterback there as well. I didn't know you know, he won the spot, but you don't know that much about it. Then he comes out yesterday, and he's 11 for 12, throws four touchdown passes, runs for 100 yards. 100. There's lots of there's lots of really good players in Minnesota that have been able to showcase themselves because the Dakotas went Division One. So Where did my friend Doctor Spencer go? There he is. <laughs> What's that? Sitting, uh, a, oh. do- a doctor friend in uh, in our massive audience. I'm surprised you could pick him out with these thousands of people. Uh, I'm going to keep the net laughter down, uh, uh, please. It's, the rain has picked up here a little bit, Sid. Uh, we got about three, four minutes there before we break to talk to P.J. Fleck. Um, your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild. The Wild uh, named a new GM. We'll try to get him on the radio next week. I think a lot of people like the, the naming. They, they, it was a move that's been well-received. Their manners don't win games. Uh, players win games, and uh, they didn't add any players, didn't make the playoff last year. They're going to have to uh, get, get some players, one or two uh, scorers, and uh, otherwise they'll have the same problem they had last year. Mike, I'm sure you ran into one of the wild players probably in the checkout line somewhere. Uh, <laughs> how, uh, what are you hearing uh, uh, from the, the players? Garen was popular off the top. He and Brian Lawton both had great interviews at the end, and uh, they chose Garen. He's, he's supposed to be a people person with a real competitive, cut-your-heart-out kind of guy. I disagree with Sid. I think general managers, especially in the day and age of the salary cap, have tremendous responsibility, uh, fiscal responsibility, and being able to see two, three, four years out. And I think especially in the NHL, it's a general manager's game. So I think this is this is a huge position that he takes on, and he's got to decide whether or not they're an aging roster that's going to go for it or whether he's going to start to rebuild. 
All right, I want to thank our uh, partner every uh, every day here at the State Fair. WCCO's got a partner. Today's partner is Midwest Outdoor Resorts. We thank them for that partnership. And we're going to go to break here, take about uh, two, three minutes away, and we should be talking to P.J. Fleck when we come back. We are live at the Minnesota State Fair, and you're listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are back here live at the Minnesota State Fair. We're uh, trying to get hold of P.J. Fleck on the phone. That should happen any minute. Meanwhile, Mike, let's talk just for a minute about the Timberwolves. It's been fairly quiet there. What's happening? Yeah, yeah you know you know what's happening? It, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Ryan Saunders, is, is uh, he's a new dad, but he's also uh, uh, he's, uh, he's a travel agent right now. He is, in this day and age, Dave, of what is, you know, these things kind of turn around. But, but the old school's out right now. Thibodeau was old school. His, his key to this thing is he's going to have to win with relationships. So he's flying all over and spending time with these different players. Flew to Toronto just to have dinner with Josh Okogie out there. Uh, going out to Indiana to see Jeff T. Go, go, uh, I, I, think, I don't know if he went down to the Bahamas or not, but Carl Anthony Towns had some people down there, that some players that he'd organized. Wiggins is in town more this year than he's been in the past. And what Ryan's trying to do is win this thing over by creating trust and relationships now how that will translate i don't know if you go on a five game loser streak doesn't matter i don't know but but he's gone to great lengths and is traveling all over the country just to meet with his current roster and and find out where they're at now towns is trying it's kind of interesting that they're saying to carl anthony towns we want this to be your team and there are people inside or players that would say yeah carl's not exactly the leader that we'd rally around so he's gonna to have to take another step he's a great player they all respect him as a player but he's gonna to have to take a, a step as, as a leader before they'll rally around him as a leader as opposed to being just a great player and those are the two outcomes i think they want out of this summer mike i, I saw on facebook a picture of tom thibodeau having lunch with somebody in the twin yeah. cities he's still here is he going to be doing radio or tv is that the, do we know what he's doing in the uh, off season not with the wolves that i know of i ran into him the last time i ran into him was at the final four he looked good he was healthy he, he, uh, uh, maybe that relax that comes with you know i'm not coaching and i got 16 million dollars coming it was that kind of look that he had on but i think as you know dave as sid knows uh, you know, the money means something to him, but, but he, he's a coach, and he's got to be in the game. He'll be one of those guys, I think, if he doesn't find something here, he'll be coaching in Greece or somewhere like that. It's just so he can X and O. Yeah, when it comes to that $16 million look, I go to Sid. Yeah. Uh, Sid, uh, we're talking about the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves while we're waiting to get hold of P.J. Flick. What are your expectations for the Timberwolves this year? Not very good at all. <laughs> the only, only hope they have. What was the guy who was hurt all this year? Oh, uh, Covington? Teague. Yeah. Well, oh, Covington no. and Teague. Well, you yeah. know, take your Covington pick. Covington and or Teague. Or Rose, yeah. whichever he one you want to go with. Right. Help them. The guy that was hurt. They got from Philadelphia. The guy they got yeah, from Covington. Philadelphia. Yeah, Covington. Was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt from January on. They need him to do real well. And then Wiggins... Has to be super. Otherwise, they're going to have a tough time. Would you care to pick a number of victories? It's pretty early for that. I 30, you think? 30? You like their coach. You're a big fan I of the coach. I don't know how many games they'll win. All right. All right. Let's, uh, talk, uh, let's go back to the wild discussion, uh, Mike. Um, I talked to a couple of the players. They, uh, I think they would have been happy with either of those choices uh, for a GM, but I think they're happy with the change of GMs. Yeah, it was. Uh, my opinion is, based on the people that I talked to, was that uh, Paul Fenton is a really good hockey guy. 
who had never really managed uh, a big operation where you have to manage a lot of people. He's always been able to just be the grinder and the guy that goes out and scouts and looks for things. And, and the people skills part of it, he didn't have to do that much being an assistant GM. And when he became a GM, all of a sudden now you got lots of different moving parts and you have to be, uh, uh, you have to know how to massage and politicize on the uh, on your entire organization. And I don't think that was his strong point. I think he was just a hockey guy who they gave that title to. And I think that uh, uh, Craig Leopold, in retrospect, based on what I hear, uh, maybe trusted the opinion of some people that uh, he regrets. All right, we're going to take a break here. Well, we haven't been able so far to hook up with P.J. Fleck. We're going to go ahead and try to get Derek Falvey of the Twins on the line because obviously the Twins, uh, too bad about that loss yesterday, but setting the home run record, they were the lead item on MLB.com this morning. A lot of people talking about that baseball team. It would be interesting to hear what Derek Falvey has to say. So we're going to try to get him in a minute or two early as we go to break here. We are broadcasting live from a slightly rainy uh, area here, the Minnesota State Fair, and you're listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back here live at the State Fair trying to uh, contact with uh, both P.J. Fleck and Derek Falvey. Let's talk about the Twins for a minute, Mike. We did a little bit earlier. They're an interesting situation. Uh, We don't uh, tend to look at that Indian schedule as much as maybe we should. You know, when you look at that Tampa Bay Rays team, that's a good baseball team. Yeah, watch that game last night. Uh, MLB added on the MLB network because I wanted to – and – Tampa will, Tampa will come at you, man. They can't, you forget, they're pretty good. The Twins found that out firsthand. Derek Falvey, general manager, joins us right now, president of baseball operations. And Derek, uh, last night was something, man. You guys set the home run record and lost in the same same night. But it was, it, it was kind of punctuated what kind of year it's been across uh, baseball for the Minnesota okay. Twins. What were your impressions last night as you watched that one? Yeah, it was great, you know, to be here in Detroit. You know, obviously you want to win the game. We want to win every game, but, you know, having won the last six, I think it was one of those nights where we just had a rough inning early. Martin had a rough inning and, uh, and did get it. But our guys kept fighting, kept battling. You know, at the end of the day, when, when you break that record, it's a testament to everyone in that clubhouse. I mean, I think to know that, you know, I know home runs are up, but, you know, to do everyone's playing with the same ball now and, and, and playing with the same offensive environment. For our guys to do that even before the calendar flips in September, it's pretty special for what those guys have accomplished. Yeah, when you when you looked at the off season, did you did you think about were you specific in building for power? I know you didn't expect these kind of numbers, but were you real specific in believing we're going to out home run teams? Well, I did think that we were going to be more uh, offensive oriented as a group, and certainly had some power. I mean, when we had a chance to acquire guys like Jonathan Scope and T.J. Crone, you know, we knew those guys had had a lot of power in the past. Then you add in Nelson Cruz, and then Marwin Gonzalez, and others, and you know already that you have guys like Miguel Sano and and some of our other internal players. We felt like guys like Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Mitch Garver, those guys were on the come offensively. So I think home runs are a result of a good process, a good approach, and a good swing. And I think that's been the focus of James Rouse and our hitting coach and our whole offensive group. P.J. Fleck, what's this? No, no, it's Derek Falvey. Huh? Derek Falvey. Derek Falvey. Oh, Falvey. No, Falvey. Last night, why did he leave that pitcher in Perez? For seven runs, he could have won that game had he uh, taken him out. You know, it's one of those days where before, if it had happened today on September 1st, you have a lot more bodies on the roster. And Rocco was working last night with a difficult spot there in that inning, knowing we had to get lengths through the rest of the game. And Martins found a way to fight through at different times in the past. Just didn't work out there last night. But I, I think sometimes, you know, there are decisions that, 
managers have to make to kind of ride out a little bit longer in a game. A starter didn't work out last night, but we've done that before, and I think it's really helped us get deeper into a game and allowed our bullpen to stay fresh. All right, uh, Derek, uh, you mentioned it's a new month today. Can you tell us who's coming up? We heard about Gratterall, and then uh, give us a most recent update on uh, Buxton. Yeah, so a lot of moves today, and then those two guys in particular uh, were part of it. So Richard Gratterall, a young right-handed pitcher for us, um, really a, a guy we feel great about going forward, not just in the present. I think getting him around this environment, pitching out of our bullpen here in the short term is a, a real positive for us. He has big-time velocity, a great slider. I think he's, he's a guy who's mature beyond his years. He's still a young kid. But adding him to the group of Devin Smelter and Zach Littell and, and Cole Stewart and, and you know, a number of others that have come up here and help us, this will only increase our ability to, to add to the end of games and, and to do things like you know, match up when we need to, maybe when a starter isn't going as well like we saw last night. So that's a positive. In Byron Buxton's case, we are, we're activating him today on the roster. It is September 1st. You can expand the roster. So uh, whether he was on the IL or, or active doesn't change your, uh, any moves you have to make on the roster. But the benefit is, and we've said this about Byron all along, is he can go play defense. He can run the bases. He's not at a place where he can fully get to his, to his offensive um, approach and, and make sure that he's hitting. But this gives us another option, and I think this really is rooted in Byron wanting to be on the field and, and potentially contributing to us in any way, shape, or form that he can. So he'll, he'll be active as well. You know, you look at Perez, and I know you guys don't like to get too far ahead of yourself, but I brought this up before. If you made the postseason, I look at him as, as a possible X factor as a relief pitcher too because he's left-handed and generally he starts strong and has high velocity early. I, I know you don't want to say, well, we're in the post, but, but are those kind of things when you look at the, the profile of a pitcher, does that, does that enter in a little bit as you look at your staff? Well, definitely. When you look at how teams have been built in the past and how they've utilized, you know, arms, hopefully you're playing in those postseason games where you can utilize these guys this way. But yeah. I think back to last year and what guys like Nathan Eovaldi did for the for the Red Sox or others that came in and were kind of multi-inning weapons in the middle of a game, that can be a number of the guys that are on our staff right now. And, you know, last night I think was a good example. They stacked their lineup with right-handed hitters. He's obviously a left-handed pitcher. You know, maybe that got him. Uh, that got him into a place where he was at. He was at a disadvantage throughout the game in terms of lineup. There's a possibility when you're using him out of the bullpen role that you can line him up against some hitters where you really think he can dominate those guys. So he has great stuff. He's a hard worker. He's somebody that we continue to see progress from in different ways. He's made a pretty significant shift this year in how he's using his pitches. And all in all, I would say that's gone well. He's had some days where it hasn't gone quite as well like yesterday, but we're still behind him, and we do think we see him as a weapon as a pitcher down the stretch here. How lucky are you that you signed Paleco and Peckler before the season? They would have cost you a fortune, <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, you know, hey, it's, it's one of those things that you go through the process. You see so many young players around the game. You want them to be a part of the organization for a long time. And we were really fortunate that those guys wanted to be a part of this group and, and signed when they did. And there's, a, I have a belief, this is my personal belief sometimes, that when guys get that level of security and they're in a good place and they've, they've committed themselves to a place for a long time, they're no longer thinking about you know the financial aspect of it. They're just going out and playing. And sometimes you can see players actually exceed their expectations when they do so. So I think that these are two guys we believed in, both as as players, but who they were as people, who they are as teammates, who they are as leaders, and I fully expect they're going to continue to get better. Hey, Derek, we appreciate you joining us on an yeah, early, thanks, early game day. We know it's a little tougher with a 12-10 uh, start uh, today against the Detroit Tigers. So thanks uh, very much, and good luck uh, today. And then we're thanks gonna for having move, me on, guys. You bet. And we're going to move right into an interview with uh, P.J. Fleck, who joins us right now. Sid, P.J. Fleck joins us right now. P.J., what's the scouting report 
on Fresno State. Well, I think a lot of people got a chance to watch him last night, and I don't think they've missed a beat from last year. You know, they were a top 25 team last year. Uh, Mountain West champs uh, were 12-2. and two. I think our fans really knew what type of football team they were going to be when they came into TCF Bank Stadium and, and played us all the way to the end. Uh, that's when Antoine Winfield Jr. made that heck of a play in the end zone. And, and uh, that was a very difficult game. Uh, they're a very, very good football team. They're very well coached. Last night, they, uh, under two minutes, had a chance to beat USC at USC. And you can tell that they haven't missed a beat, you know. So it's one of the better teams uh, we'll play all year. It is. I mean, they played really, really well. They're a very tough team. Got to go out to their place. And they're very, very good, though. Uh, and they got a great quarterback who, who's been waiting his turn. And he's very savvy. And they've got skill all around him and really good running backs. And then the defense is just very, very, very stifling. So, uh, and they play really good special teams. So that's the scouting report as of right now. We've we've got a whole year of data on them, obviously from last year and that our game, how they played us, and then we're uh, actually in the process. That's why I'm a little late right now. I apologize, but we were uh, we were in a film session watching the game. So, you think the player might have gone in that game with South Dakota a little overconfident, thinking that they wouldn't be a real big opponent? No, I don't think so at all. Uh, I think it's, uh, the, the way that South Dakota State played is a compliment to South Dakota State. Um, you know, uh, we, we need to play better. Uh, we need to fix a lot of things, but they're in the film room this morning fixing a lot of things that they could do better, too. Uh, you look all around the country. Uh, you look at yesterday with Iowa State, Northern Iowa. You look at James Madison giving West Virginia everything they could handle, right? I mean, it's that first game, especially with the FCS schools. Um, you know, there were a lot of upsets yesterday. Uh, the week one is always strange. Uh, you know, we came out of week one with a victory. Did we play our best football? No. Did we play a really good opponent who's got a chance to win a national title at FCS? Yes. Did we win the game? Yes. Uh, but we've got to get a lot better. And uh, that's what the other day was for. That's what today's practice is for. And our team came in. The mentality that we needed to come in with, ready and hungry to get better at all the small things and the little things. And I know they will. Assess your offensive and defensive line the other night. Was it what you expected? Did you play a lot of players? What was it? At times, I thought we were really good. At times, I thought we were really bad. Um, so we need to be more consistent and just keep changing our best on both sides. Uh, and that, that's really what it is. It's, it's the consistency part, and uh, we need to iron that out. P.J., a lot of us who follow the team know an awful lot about Johnson, maybe not quite so much about Bateman. I'm sure you see this in practice every day, but I think he opened a lot of eyes with that uh, touchdown catch. Well, he's a very talented young man, you know, and, and it, it, this is what we kind of went through last year at times. You know, we had we knew Tyler, and everybody knew Tyler was really good, and, and Rashad was really good as a true freshman. But you know, as a true freshman, you're not, you don't maybe you don't trust him as much as some of the other people, or uh, or you're sitting there going, okay, we have one guaranteed guy who's done it in a lot of games, and you don't have a lot of data uh, based on maybe what Rashad's done, or Chris Altmanbell, or Demetrius Douglas have done. So. You kind of have that one weapon. Now we have two weapons that we know on the outside with other guys we know can play. But now you've got some other guys to go along with your running back and go along with your running attack. And Rashad proved uh, that the other night that you know sure. they wanted to take Tyler Johnson out of the game, and that was truly their game plan. And the way they designed it, they wanted to stop the run and they wanted to take Tyler out of the game. Well, that's why Rashad had so much one-on-one coverage, and we were able to expose that. Uh, and that's what I meant by when you're prepared for ghosts because we didn't know how they were going to play us. And we, uh, even on the defensive side of the ball, they did a lot of things that we were adjusting to on the sideline that we hadn't seen yet. So that's, that's the things about week one that are a little bit interesting. You're finding out a lot about yourself, and you're also finding out a lot about how opponents are going to play you. So, uh, But, again, we got to get better, and I know we will. Well, there must have been some players 
who played pretty well in that game. Could you talk about that? Well, I think, you know, as a, as a team, we just, you know, we look at it more of, you know, we all have to get better. We all have to play better, you know. Uh, we're not going to be just stat people and say, I, I did this and I played this. I think that we were better on third down than we've been. You know, we were close to 50%, which is which is where, you know, we want to be above there. But that was good to see. The fourth downs, we were one for one. We scored both times. We were in the red zone. Uh, we won the time of possession battle. But we only had around 60 plays. And I think, had, you know, if you take the penalties out, it was around 56 plays. It wasn't a lot. Uh, so we need to be able to have more plays, which we've got to be able to get the ball back for our offense. We've got to be more efficient, things like that. Um, but again, you know, I mean, you know, and you look at, you know, penalties, we had three penalties. So we were pretty disciplined, but again, we just, we never could get in that groove and we never could get in that rhythm. And, uh, you know, we need to be able to do that. PJ, when you look at your, uh, the, uh, the run pass option, it looked like they implement a lot of RPO is the big thing is, is Vogel. How do you defend that? It, 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 can you defend it if it's a great quarterback? What, what, what do you try to do defensively? Well, it's difficult, too. You know, we hadn't seen their quarterback play as well, and nobody knew what he could do. Plus, the RPO game, plus he could run, it adds another element uh, to all of that. But it's, you know, it, it's being able to read different types of offenses in terms of pad level. and just The RPO look completely different from the actual run. Um, what, what routes do they run off the RPO? How are you going to position your defense accordingly to be able to stop that? Are the inside RPOs or the outside RPOs? So, um, it, it's a part of the game that the NFL has even adopted because it's very difficult to stop. Uh, I think every team in America is using RPOs for that particular reason. It's an easy way to get play action without a lot of protection and a lot of time, right? And the ball can get out of the quarterback's hand. So very difficult to defend. Uh, but again, we have to be better and our eyes have to be in the right places. Uh, we had a lot of times where our eyes weren't in the right place. We had too many people trying to make somebody else's play. Um, which I love the aggressiveness. Um, you know, I'd rather have a team that's more aggressive than not aggressive enough. And so we just have to be able to trust everybody around us. And some of that had to do with some guys just being on the field for the first time in a while or the first time just in general or being that first game. So uh, we got to get a lot better between one and two. P.J., it looked like you avoided serious injuries, but were you having some cramping problems out there? Well, I think that, you know, we had, we had one or two guys uh, cramp up, which – you know, we, we usually do a pretty good job with, with, with cramping and don't have many of those at all. But, uh, that's you know, you look at games all throughout yesterday and sometimes you think you're really hydrated and do all the right things and, and everybody handles it a little bit differently. So uh, we've got to do a better job of making sure we're even more hydrated than we were even going into this game as we go out to the West Coast where it's going to be 95 degrees. And, and uh, you know, we've got to make sure that we prepare in that type of environment and simulate it the best we possibly can, hydrate the most we can, and change our hydration maybe a little bit to make sure we don't have any. Because, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't like when our team cramps up. Uh, I, I take that almost personal. So in terms of what I should be doing, even better. PGA, you show some real class by calling in. Don't give up on the Gophers. That'd be all right. And for being on the show, uh, be sure and... Go to Murray. Thank you. 
You got it. Row the boat, Scotty. Go Gophers. Thanks, guys. All right, that's P.J. Fleck, Derek Falvey. We are out of time. It's always fun for us uh, because of the early Twins game today. Uh, Twins coverage begins on the station about three minutes from right now. We'll be back to our full time in the studio again next week. We've been live here at the fair. We had people sat right through this rain for two and a half hours. Thank you. We want to say thank you to all of you, all the people at home. Uh, thanks to our audience. Uh, we've enjoyed this so much. And from, live from the Minnesota State Fair, you've been listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.